The limited partner shares in the potentially outsized returns of a well-planned and executed investment, but as a passive investor and has the maximum leverage on their most precious asset, their time. And that is why we're here together. 90% of the millionaires out there built their net worth with real estate. However, 0% of the billionaires are hands-on managing the real estate assets because there simply isn't enough time. My name is Jake Wiley, and for the past 16 years, I've been investing in real estate, and I've learned a thing or two. But the most important lesson is how to leverage the expertise and time of others to maximize your investment potential. Welcome to the Limited Partner Podcast. All right, welcome, partners. This is going to be a fun episode. We're going to talk a little bit about what the future of the Limited Partner Podcast is going to look like. Some of my thoughts on kind of what's going on, and this is the second to last episode of what I'd call this season as I'm going to take a break for the summer after next week's episode. But before we did, kind of wanted to give you some ideas of what I'm thinking about and what I'm going to be doing when we actually take a little bit of break and spend some time with the family to, to relax and recharge. Before we really get into the nuts and bolts of the episode, I know on the, the last episode, if you were here, you, you probably heard my frustration that we were dealing with AC issues and it was super hot. And I've got two air conditioners that both went out at the same time still dealing with it. Luckily, one of them is back on and running. So in my office, it is relatively comfortable, but downstairs, it is not super comfortable. Thankfully, we, you know, cold air sinks. So I'm able to take advantage of trying to push some of the cold air downstairs. But I'll tell you, I have bought and installed more planned and unplanned air conditioners than probably anybody that I know, except for professional developers. And I have always made it a really key point to have a, a warranty on my products, but not just like a, a product warranty or a parts warranty, but a labor warranty as well. And we actually have been, we've done a bunch of systems recently with Daikin because they offer a parts and labor warranty for 12 years on their product. And it's with Daikin. It's not with your installer because you're probably all thinking like, yeah, what installer is out there for 12 years? So we, we bought these systems, one of which has been fixed under the warranty and the other one they're saying, well, they don't have it. So we did this all at the same time. That makes no sense. So I'm stuck dealing with a distributor and an installer that, you know, I, I have not been connected with Daikin. So if anybody knows anybody at Daikin Comfort that might be able to help me, I would love a contact over there that I could talk to you directly about my situation because otherwise... Um, they're going to hear their name on the podcast and <laughs> it probably won't go well. We'll give you another update next week and I'll tell you how this thing is, is turning out. But anyway, yeah, shoot it over to me, Jake at The Limited Partner. I would love to have direct contact and just be like, here's what we got. This is what's going on. But right now we're at a wall. But here's my wisdom to share with you is that if you do get a warranty with a manufacturer and it's an extended warranty, make sure you get it one with the manufacturer themselves, not necessarily your installer because you never know where these guys are going to be in a year or two, and they tend to go in and out. But when you do get that, make sure that if your installer is submitting your paperwork to get your warranty, that it has been completed and fully accepted by the manufacturer, then you have proof of that. Because that is our issue is that we gave all of our information to our installer and they said, we got it, it's taken care of. And lo and behold, we're finding out now with the potential of thousands of dollars on the line that it was not taken care of. So anyway, that's my thought for today. If you are in real estate or you're buying um, a product, 
definitely get the warranty and definitely make sure that you have all the documentation that it has been submitted and approved so that if you ever have an issue in the future, you just pick up the phone and you, you can call whoever is the preferred, pro, you know, installer provider at that point in time and you'll be taken care of. But all right, let's get into the, the nuts and bolts of this podcast and kind of some of the thoughts that I've been having lately is, you know, the show has really been primarily focused on real estate as kind of the primary avenue for LP, limited partner investments. But, you know, you've probably seen some of the later shows. You'll see that, like, that's not all there is to it. I mean, you can invest in, in a bunch of things. And, you know, with the markets the way they are, and if you're following the headlines, again, time stamping, this is July of 2023. You know, all of the headline news is about large defaults. I think this past week, Starwood property has defaulted, you know, 200 and something, $80 million loan on an office tower in Buckhead, Atlanta. It's just, it's coming, right? And banks are shoring up their balance sheets to get ready for the future of these defaults. So like the real estate market is in a really weird spot. And I appreciate that. And I, I've been thinking about it a lot. And, you know, so much so that while I will always be firmly invested and rooted in real estate, and then there's a passion there. Yeah, I've been looking at some other things. And it's probably unfair to be on the show and, and talking all about real estate and LP investments when I'm thinking about other things myself. And, you know, I think part of what I want to talk about today is that cash flow is a piece of the puzzle that needs to be solved for. And in, in a lot of cases, and a lot of people that I've talked with, some other investors and some people that, you know, I've, I've frankly been talking with about maybe putting something together is about cash flow. And cash flow right now is, is somewhat tough, right? We're having conversations about folks who are having their distributions pulled, so the cash flow is slowing down. But then the question is like, why do we want cash flow? And why do we think we're getting it from real estate? And the short answer in, in most of the conversations I'm having with investors similar to myself is, you know, they want cash flow to displace or, you know, take the place of, you know, active income, right? When you go to work, you got to, plug in your hours and you get paid, you're trading time for dollars. So like if you can create this passive cash flow stream, then, you know, you can displace the active and then, you know, actually have more time, right? So it's about time, it's about cash flow, but what are we thinking is driving that and why is it real estate? And a lot of us, like historically, you know, real estate is a cash flow generating asset, especially if you're truly passive. It's been, you know, hit or miss for, you know, the sponsors and the general partners on the front end of real estate deals where the, the deals have been so lean that they're not necessarily getting paid cash flow, but on the exit. And, you know, when you do things successfully, the cash flow eventually comes in, but it's really lumpy. But what is it that we want, right? As, a, as an actual passive investor is we want cash flow and I want cash flow that doesn't require me to work for it. And, you know, the more conversations I've had about it, the more I sit and ponder the, the current market, you know, the more I really do think that you kind of need to bifurcate the discussion a little bit. And the reason I'm coming to this conclusion is that if I think based on all the information that I'm getting about the current real estate market, that there's going to be a big adjustment, then those adjustments are going to impact you know, distributions and they're also going to uh, impact the exits of, of assets, right? Because if assets have to be exited or, you know, him forbid taken over by the bank because you know the cash flow did not support the debt service and the bank took it back by the way which is happening then this these projections you know the, this you know teens IRR that you're seeing out there like they disappear overnight 
And what's interesting about that at this moment in time is that a lot of that is out of our control. And, you know, I've definitely gotten into a lot of arguments about this lately, and this is off the show, but, you know, folks will say, well, hey, if you buy an asset now, it's great. And you've already factored in for the market and you've already factored in for interest rates, then like the property should cash flow. And, and I agree with that in theory. But what the problem is, is that if the market is going to reset the value of assets, which has really nothing to do with the cash flow, but more about adjusting cap rates, then a lot of the economics of the deal disappear and they, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. It's like, you know, thinking about a housing crisis, right. Where like, let's go back to 2008 and everybody's like property values just took a walloping. Like it didn't matter how well you ran your rental property. Like the value of the asset has decreased because the house next door sold for less, right? The comps were readjusted. The same thing's happening in the commercial market. And I think it's going to continue to happen. So that impacts the overall returns on the investments that are out there for you. And I think that's worth, you know, kind of carving out and, and really wrapping your mind around it because I spent a ton of time thinking about it. And you probably heard a lot of this already in the show, but then saying, okay, well, I still want the cash flow. So what else could create cash flow? And investing in businesses is an option. And it's something that like I'm very seriously considering more so than I ever have in the past. I've been, by the way, I've been the owner of a business. I have sold a business. I have had to deal with all the factors. I've been the CEO. I've been the CFO of a business. Like I get all of that. I don't want any of that, right? That is not my goal. Like, you know, going back to Robert Kiyosaki type thing is that I do not want to be self-employed. I would like to be a business owner. So I, I have some different criteria for what I'm talking about here. And I'll share that with you in a minute. But the point being is that if you think about businesses, like I use a great example because I'm dealing with it now, like HVAC companies, heating and air, right? they're just busy. If they're run right, they're cash flow cows because everybody has an air conditioner. We've got heaters. Now, I know there's certain parts of the country you maybe don't need it, but that code requires it here. Like you cannot fire up a new house without an air conditioner in it. And by and large, every season, like there's a ton that need work and you call these guys and they're all backed up and backlogged and you know, they're having trouble finding people, you know, to do the work. There's more work than there is people, you name it, like it's all out there. And then you've got the bottom feeders that are just go out there and, you know, they're available today, but you're going to pay, you know, triple the price for like the worst equipment out there. That's neither here nor there. But the point being is that it's a cash flow business, right? If you run it right, or if it's run right, not if you like, this is where we're going with this, but if you can buy a business, it's run right, it can kick off cash flow. and doesn't matter if you know there's a recession like it doesn't matter if the economy goes down like there is no way people are going to live without air conditioning in the south when it's 100 degrees outside and the heat index is 110 or the southwest where we're now seeing heat indexes you know actual temperatures of like 130 degrees so where i'm going with this is that there's a, there's some stability in businesses that like are a little bit more controllable, I would say, than they are in real estate right now. And that's not always been a true story, but we're in a weird place. So I'm thinking about that. And I've been having discussions of saying, well, hey, look, you know, what are we trying to solve for, guys? Right. And this is a group of guys that I, I talk with on a regular basis. And it's cash flow. And it's like, okay, well, we've always talked about cash flow and we've talked about it in the context of real estate. Yeah, you know, I've had some guests on the podcast that have talked about some other things. 
in the marketplace. When it's all said and done, I've never really, you know, kind of gone down that road very far. I've thought about it, but like I've just never really thought about it. But now I'm thinking about it, right? Because maybe you can create your cash flow in a stable business at this moment in time. And then think about outsized returns in other investment types, right? And, and we've had some interesting discussions recently on the podcast. We, we've talked about crypto. We've talked about foreign exchange. And, you know, all of those discussions have gotten me thinking is like, okay, well, there, there is some opportunity to maybe solve for the cash flow piece and something that I would consider more boring and not super interesting. And then there's the opportunity for some outsized returns and maybe some like more interesting investments that maybe the investment dollars are smaller, but the return possibility are, are much larger. So it's, you know, almost taking a venture capital type approach to investing and saying like, I have, you know, X amount of money that I'm willing to put in, you know, investment opportunities that have outsized return potential with the expectation that like, you know, 90% of these are going to be losers, right? But that one out of 10 is going to be a winner. So like, you know, it's not super simple in saying that like, I'm going to go pick the one right investment. Like you, you got to spread it around a little bit and, you know, you've got to have your eyes open and thinking about things. But there's a lot of really interesting stuff that's going on in the market right now as people are trying to solve for the future and real estate. And we've talked about this in the past too, prop tech. There's a lot of prop tech that's coming out right now. It's really interesting. Could be solving some really big problems. And, you know, there's an opportunity to probably jump in on some of that stuff early because they're looking for investors. They're looking for, you know, looking for opportunity. And if you're willing and, and have an investment strategy that allows you to kind of spread it around, like you don't necessarily have to pick winners. You just have to pick, you know, groups of people that have some opportunity. And it, admittedly, like the advice that I would give anybody that's like hearing these words and be like, that's exciting. Like you're going to have to assume that you're going to lose it all. Right. And that's the kind of money that we're talking about here. Like assume that you're putting it all out there and it's a little bit more like gambling because it's really hard to pick winners. Because if we could do that, we'd all be millionaires, but keeps it interesting, especially if you're solving for the cash flow, something else. So, you know, for me, you know, I think what's been a turnoff on businesses for a long time is like I said earlier, like I have owned my own business. Like I have dealt with staffing. I've dealt with payroll. I've dealt with like it's insubordination. I've been and, and dealt with employee fights. I've had to deal with terminations. I've had to deal with potential wrong, quote unquote, wrongful terminations and all of the things that come with running a business that are not fun, right? Like none of the things that I just talked about are a lot of fun, but like if you can find a well-oiled business that's already running and you know, you're basically buying it. I mean, again, it's not as simple as that, right? You still have to have some oversight. But there are opportunities out there and it's a little bit larger in scale than probably the, the business that you could go buy around the corner because you need to have enough basically earnings in the business that you can pay somebody and pay somebody well to run it and deal with all of those things. So just a caveat, like I'm not suggesting that like the best opportunity is for you to go out and buy that business that's been for sale because you might just be buying yourself a job. And, you know, I think the other thing it, it potentially brings in the equation is getting involved with something that's a little bit more interesting than real estate, right? Like, like I said, there's big problems that we're solving out there. And there are companies that have been around for a while that are doing some really interesting things and they've got great leadership and, you know, maybe they're looking to kind of take it to the next level. 
But it, you know, it's different from real estate. It's very different. What I like about real estate is the real estate itself is tangible, right? There's scarcity involved. And that you know, if you own real estate, the dirt is not really going anywhere. There's always some like kind of inherent tangible value in the asset itself. Whereas like in a business, like you can run that thing into the ground, you lose all your customers and there's zero value. But you know, the flip side of it is that a lot of the value in real estate is in the scarcity, is in this intangible aspect of like the value that's associated with a piece of property, with the way it's run, that right now, a lot of that's out of our control, right? The debt markets are still really weird with interest rates going up, prices come down. If we have a major reset on the office space and that impacts lending and impacts valuations and risk profiles across the board, it's going to bring prices down. And there's nothing like you can run a property better than anybody else in the world, but you're going to be subject to the macro environmental forces there. And that worries me, right? So that's why we're having this conversation. And, and that's why I'm actually kind of preparing to take a little bit of a, a step away after next week from the show for a little bit of time, a month, right? To get through summer, enjoy some time with my family, but to really think about these things, right? And change it up a little bit because it's been a lot of talk about real estate. I love real estate. It'll always be around, but we want to do it. So. For me, like if I was, or as I think about this as an opportunity, what's important to me is that I'm not the linchpin or the CEO. That's not the role that I'm buying. Like I would not go out and buy a role where that, you know, ultimately the buck stops here. I guess ultimately it would because I'd be the owner of the business, but like the day-to-day -day operations, somebody that, that somebody would have to be sitting in that seat and it'd have to be around for more than a decade and it'd have to be consistently profitable right? The longer, the better, but like, that's my requirement. I think additionally, there's got to be some opportunity to skew it, right? So when we talk about this being interesting or a real opportunity, like I don't want to just go buy a cash flow stream. It's like buying an annuity. I want to find something that like, you know, it's been run well for a while, but there's some opportunity to scale it. You know, you plus up the talent a little bit. And then the last piece is really the opportunity to improve the technology in the business. And uh, the reason I think that's important is I think that links back to the opportunity to scale and thinking about the business and how we can grow it. Some of it's going to be improving the technology, which may make the business more efficient, lean it out. I'm not talking about just like cutting heads, but how do we do more with the same? And I think there's so much opportunity in tech and you know, from all the seats that I've been in, I can tell you that it is a very Jumping up in technology is a big move and it's very costly and it takes a lot of responsibility. And I think that like, it's hard to do it right. And that's my goal is to find an opportunity where we can jump in and say, there's some scaling and there's some opportunity to improve the tech. So that's what I'm looking for. And those are the discussions that I'm having. So I've been pondering this personally for a while now. And I felt like I was doing the show a disservice and almost you know, not being fully forthcoming as I've been thinking about other things, but really keeping the show focused. And, you know, that was a commitment that I made early on in the limited partner kind of, I guess, evolution is that I would stay really true to the message and the focus of real estate, passive investing with a little bit of stuff, you know, sprinkled in on the side. So it wasn't completely, you know, one-sided. But, you know, as I've been thinking about these other things and what gets me excited, you know, I'm always looking at other ideas and, and willing to kind of consider you know, how I might be able to continue to personally get better and expand. 
and, and this has been it. Like the, I've been having these thoughts and I wanted to share them with you guys, you know, and hopefully this is ringing true. Maybe you guys have been thinking about this as well. Maybe, maybe you haven't, maybe this is the first time you've been thinking about it. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'll just stick with season one of the limited partner. I don't want to hear about any of these other thoughts. I think it's going to be interesting and we're going to open some new doors and we're going to you know, walk down some different paths and we're going to learn. I'm going to learn and I'm going to share what I'm learning. But I'm going to take a little bit of time to really get my mind right about what is this going to look like for the coming year or the next season of the show, whatever that may look like. But I also want to, I want to get your thoughts, right? If, as I open up about how I'm feeling about the current market and some of the things that I'm thinking about, like, what are you thinking about? I'd love to have your ideas, you know, brought into the fold too. Like, have you been thinking about something like this? Have you been thinking about a certain industry, certain niche, like you want to diversify or like you want to go all in right now, I'd really love to get your thoughts because, you know, as we think about what makes this show interesting, a lot of times it's what other people are bringing to the table and some of the ideas and some of the questions have really generated some of the most popular shows and helped me find some of the best guests to do that. So if you have an idea or a thought, shoot me an email at jake at the limited and you know, I'll take that in. And, you know, especially over the summer here break, I will definitely take a look and, and kind of make some thoughts about what the, the next season is going to look like and help that get that organized. So we're going to be back for one more episode next week before hitting the road for some much needed R&R. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's time, you know, like I've been kind of pushing for nearly two years straight, you know, every week on this show. It's time to like just take a step away, take a deep breath and kind of get reinvigorated and really think about the direction and where we want to go. And I'll tell you, honestly, just thinking about kind of taking this step back has been, you know, so refreshing. So I can't wait to see what comes of actually like getting away from it for a second so we can come back and do some really interesting things. And, and I hope you stay with me on this journey and I hope that you bring some ideas. I hope you bring some people to the, the conversation. And if you've got great guests or you have any ideas, like I said, shoot them to me, Jake at the Limited Partner. And we'll, we'll pick it up and run with it. But anyway, we'll see you next week. And I look forward to chatting with you again. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And I'd actually love for you to contribute to a future episode. If you have a question you'd like answered or a topic or a guest to bring on the show, please email me at jake at thelimitedpartner.com. Now I realize there's a lot of lingo that's thrown around on these shows. So I've created a cheat sheet for you with the top 26 terms that come up most often. Head on over to thelimitedpartner.com forward slash lingo for the list. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time.